Welcome to the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries Podcast, brought to you by Interactive Legal. Here's your host, Mary Vandenack. Welcome to today's episode of Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries, a weekly podcast discussing updated legal news as well as evolving methods of providing legal service. I'm Mary Vandenack, founder and CEO at Vandenack Weaver Trulson. I will be your host as we talk to experts from around the country about legal and tax issues, trust and estates, business succession and exit planning, legal technology, law practice management and leadership, and well-being. First, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, and Carson Private Client. Technology has become an essential part of our daily lives. However, not all fields have embraced technology. Lawyers, especially estate planning attorneys, need to stay up to date with specific laws and any issues affecting taxes and wealth preservation. Implementing an automated drafting system can help lawyers spend more time with their clients and less time doing back office tasks. Estate planners and law professionals turn to Interactive Legal as their main resource for the latest planning strategies. Interactive Legal provides the most comprehensive productivity system on the market with an easy-to-use document drafting system, extensive continuing education, thought-provoking discussion forums, and more. With Interactive Legal, attorneys get to spend more time with their clients. It's time to connect, collaborate, and create. To learn more about Interactive Legal, visit interactivelegal.com. Wealth planning focuses on liquidity management and charges you a fee based on a percentage of your assets. But entrepreneurs typically invest in their business, resulting in light liquidity. That requires a unique strategy. At Carson Private Client, we provide a proactive and holistic strategy for building and protecting your wealth. Our mission is to alleviate the stresses and the burdens of coordinating all of those financial strategies. Carson Private Client will work with your current team of advisors to customize a strategy that manages all aspects of your life and wealth, giving you back the time to focus on what matters most. Complex needs require sophisticated solutions. Reach out to our office at 402-779-8989 to schedule your consultation. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. On today's episode, my guest is Ross Poking. Ross is with Foster Group. He's the business development guy, and he's the advisor, and he's great at making sports analogies. We did a previous episode on sports analogies, and it was so popular that I asked Ross to come back, and let's do part two. So thanks for joining me again today, Ross. Happy to do it, Mary. Excited for it. Um Side note, I grew up wanting to be a sports broadcaster, so uh, in some sort of way, this is scratching that itch, so appreciate the opportunity. And I had the opportunity to visit your offices sometime over the holidays last year and got to see some of your sports memorabilia, and I actually have a collection myself, so it's uh, kind of fun to do this topic. Yeah, for sure. So let's start by talking about, and we're kind of connecting the sports analogies to financial and overall good strategic planning in the financial and estate planning arena. So what does it look like if you're playing in the minor leagues? Yeah, so we're taking a baseball slant here with uh, the conversation around minor leagues. So probably best to first 
identify what we mean by the minor leagues, right? So uh, for the folks in the audience, I know you have a wide audience who are familiar with um, Major League Baseball, all of those teams, let's take the Chicago Cubs or New York Yankees, uh, they have minor league teams. It's like their development league. It's where they pull their players from. So those teams don't just pick a player from high school or college and throw them on the major league roster. They're start in the minor leagues um, and make their way up to the majors. And um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't play in the minor leagues. My, my ceiling was four years of college baseball, but I've been around the game enough and had uh, friends who have, have played professionally. And the one tried and true comment on minor league life is it's a grind. Um, you've got to be willing to ride buses a long ways. You got to eat cheap, um, uh, fast food, stay in cheap hotels, uh, but you're doing it because you have a dream, right? You have a long-term vision of making it to the major leagues. Uh, and it's similar in that with financial planning, estate planning, anything that comes with financial wherewithal. It's And when you're out of college and you get into that job for the first time and you start making money, it's you're not buying the million-dollar house or taking exotic cruises or buying a $100,000 uh, truck you're saving $25 into a, uh, an IRA or you're um, putting money into a 529 for a kid. You're willing to grind and do the little things that are necessary knowing that ideally luxuries will await in the future for the hard work and the sacrifices that you're making today. So what does it take to get out of the baseball minor league into the major leagues? It's the next level. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it just goes back to that plan. Like you've got to have a plan and you've got to have long-term goals and you got to stick to that plan. Uh, you don't take silly risks. Um, you listen to your coaches, you be coachable, you surround yourself with really smart people, uh, who have walked the walk before you. And, uh, you know, it's similar again to the financial planning world and, uh, you're surrounding yourself with folks who, are objective and can advise you and remove emotion and tell you how to get there as opposed to just hoping that the choices you make are, are wise ones. Um, we, I often, I coach a couple teams, uh, youth teams, and, uh, I use a phrase, boring makes you better. And, uh, at first the kids are kind of like, they tilt their brow on that. But when you think about it, it's boring makes you better in that you do the little things, the routine things in baseball specifically, like you go to a major league baseball park and watch them take batting practice before the game. Best players in the entire world are doing the same thing every day, repetitively. Heck, they're using a tee. They're hitting off a batting tee, right? I mean, there's kindergartners who are hitting off batting tees and they think that's boring. Best players in the world are still hitting off batting tees when they're making $30 million a year. It's because they stick to the plan and that ultimately catapults them to the next level. And you and I have both seen the differences between somebody who makes not very much but sticks with the plan or and just continues to save or somebody that makes a whole bunch and is a big spender. So keeping that plan in place really makes a difference. Yeah. Regardless of the income level. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. You bet. So what is the mindset required for success? Especially, you know, and I remember in a non-baseball analogy, somebody saying to me, you know, as your income goes up, make sure you continue to save and invest a bigger portion of it. So you're using the baseball analogy. I'm getting to the major leagues. What is what is the mindset that I need to keep in place? I've become a star. I'm a hero now. Mm -hmm. 
do I have bigger risks there in yeah. terms of being yeah. able to stay focused? You nailed it. I mean, you said you you already gave the answer in your comment a minute ago, right? It's remember what got you there. Uh, and as hard as this is to believe, when you watch professional athletes, I mean, there is a dose of humility that has to be maintained because, again, you think about um, investors or just folks in general. It's yeah, when they start making money and they start saving money and they get to a point of let's call it financial independence. They can't vastly change their lifestyle at that point. Why would they ruin a good thing? They've worked so hard to get to a certain point. Why do something different? Uh, our firm specifically works with a lot of physicians. And when we're coaching up young physicians, young medical practitioners, we always tell them, hey, be okay living on a resident's salary for the next five years, even though you're going to be making a lot more than that. And in five years, you're going to be so much further ahead and your lifestyle is going to be one that you can maintain, whereas... Financial independence now comes in your early 50s as opposed to feeling like I could work until you're 70. So let's talk about the practice aspect. So you kind of mentioned that going up to that T and continuing to do the same thing, being consistent, and then that first five-year period out of medical school, kind of not doing that spend. And then as you go on, what is your practice? How, that, how should that continue to look? Yeah. Well, first of all, it, it can't... Get through the five years, you're in year six. Yeah. Should we buy the jet that year? Yeah, probably not. Yep. No, probably not. No. You know, practice is... Um, there was a... One time, there was a college basketball coach of a team that I follow closely, and and uh, he said, you know, we, we always hear this phrase, practice makes you perfect. His phrase was, perfect practice makes you perfect. So, if you're just going to practice in a sloppy way, in a messy way that doesn't really make you better, then you're not going to get anywhere, right? Um, and Yogi Berra, who, if you're listening as a sports fan to this podcast, you probably know who Yogi Berra is, but he was a Hall of Fame catcher for the New York Yankees, and he has a lot of famous one-liners. And one of his most famous lines essentially was, if you don't know where you're going or what you're aiming for, you're going to get there every time. You know, and I think about that. It's like, if I'm going to practice and I have no vision or goal beyond, even if I think I've made it to a certain point, if I, st if I don't maintain goals to make myself better every day, then I'm going to flounder and I'm going to be out of this sport or I'm going to be in financial dire straits, you know, before too long. And since we're talking about baseball and we're moving towards the College World Series as we record this, which is one of my favorite times of mm -hmm. year. I just thought we should take the examples, and you've kind of done it, but I was just going to try and put it into the concepts of I'm up to bat and I want to get to first base. What am I thinking? What actions am I taking? Yeah. Uh, first of all, getting to first base. Like, you need to understand. So let's go back to baseball. Like, getting to first base, there's a little bit of self-reflection. Like, what, as the batter comes to bat, like, what kind of hitter am I? Right there's a difference between typically a leadoff hitter in a in a lineup versus uh, a cleanup hitter. Right, the number four hitter who's traditionally maybe your your home run hitter. Uh, so how you get to first base? Like what are the expectations of the batter when they come to bat and how they get there? Uh, someone might be an excellent bunner or they have a really good eye, and so they are dependent on walks. Again, there may be a home run hitter in first base is. Uh, they're just planning on passing first base as opposed to getting there. We are going to take a brief break from our episode for a word from one of our sponsors. If you had a dollar for every financial advisor that just wanted your money, 
your financial future would already be secure. At Foster Group, our team is different. One whose focus is on you and your dreams. Together, we'll create a strategy that helps you get there, wherever there is for you. Foster Group, your financial life, truly cared for. Connect with us at fostergrp.com. Foster Group's written disclosure brochure, as set forth in Part 2A of Form ADV, discusses advisory services and fees, is available at www.fostergrp.com. Okay, let's continue our episode. But I like to think of getting to first base and similar in, in, in the planning world of it, it happens before you actually get up to bat. So watch it, you know, in a game, whether it's a youth game, major league baseball game, whatever it is, watch the person who's on deck before they ever get to bat. Like, what are they doing? And the things that an on-deck hitter would do a lot of times is, first of all, they're getting warmed up, right? They're practicing their swing, and then they're timing their swing with the pitcher. So the pitcher is throwing actively to the person who's up to bat, while the person on deck is now timing their swing in accordance with how hard the pitcher's throwing. And they're looking for pitches, right? So the older these kids or these, obviously, in major leagues that they get, they're throwing different pitches. They're throwing curveballs and knuckleballs and sliders and fastballs and change-ups and there's a lot coming at these hitters that require some adjustments. So when you get up to bat, it's important that you be prepared. It's like when you head into retirement. So let's just fast forward to retirement. Think about all the planning that goes into that. If you think about retirement, well, you just wouldn't jump into it and then create your plan or have a plan or know what you're going to spend or try to pull everything together at that point. No, it would have happened a long time ago, right? You're just as similar to a batter wanting to get to first base. They're working out their plan. They understand what it's going to take to get there just based upon the way that they've prepared. Again, another common phrase that I like to utter to the kids that I coach is, you know, you'll play like you prepare. You'll play like you practice. And so it's important that before you're ever up to bat, you've got a plan in place and you've prepared yourself well. So I get to first base, and I want to get to second. Mm-hmm. How do you do that? Yeah. Uh, well, second base, so just forget what I said about retirement a second ago. So let's think about second base as kind of like mid-career, right? So home plate is is we've won the race, we've made it home, um, we've retired well, we've planned well. So second base is kind of that mid-career. So getting there... Let's just assume you didn't hit a double to start, right? So you're at first base, you got a base hit, and you had a single, and you're at first base. You can take some risks. You can have some aggression. Now, not stupid, silly risks. You wouldn't just take all your money or every dime that you made and invest in one single stock or dump it all into you know an annuity uh, consistently. What you would do is you would diversify. Um, it'd be similar to, if you didn't do that, it'd be similar to a, if you're on first base and you thought the only way to get to second is the minute I get to first, I'm just going to take off for second. Well, you're going to be out. Pitcher's going to step off the mound. They're going to throw it to second. You're going to be out. So you got to take some calculated risks. Um, but one of the lessons that I learned at an early age was getting to second base is largely contingent upon your secondary lead. And so what we mean by that in baseball a secondary lead is what happens after the pitch is released. So the pitcher winds up, um, they peek over at the runner, and then they deliver the pitch. As they're delivering the pitch, the runner, again, watch them in a game. A good base runner will take a good secondary lead. They'll take a couple more shuffles towards second base in anticipation of a base hit or a pass ball or a wild pitch, something happening, so that once the ball's in play, 
they're closer to second base. How they get there, again, is dependent upon their aggression, their plan, and their ability to react and adjust at the same time. So um, there's adjustments to be made wherever you're at, whether you're up to bat at first, second, third, or home, you're adjusting to the situation um, and just knowing like, okay, whatever risks I take, there's reward associated with that. So second to third? Mm-hmm. Yeah, second to third is a little bit different. So second was mid-career. Now third is coming down the home stretch. Um, you don't want to maybe be as silly. Not silly is not the right word. You don't want to be as aggressive. In another early lesson, I learned this one from my dad, um, and I knew I was in trouble if I ever made this mistake in a game. Um, he always said, you never make the first or the third out at third base because you're already in scoring position. Once you're at second base, all it takes is a base hit, and you're scoring. You're in, so don't mess it up. And um, so similar to financial planning, it's once you've got to that midpoint in your career, you've been successful thus far, you're on second base, you're in scoring position, take calculated risks but not silly anymore, right? Really start to rein it in. And I'd say the biggest thing about getting to third is you got to pay attention to your third base coach. So think about if you're in, you know, whether or not you played baseball or softball before, it's like you can envision if you're on second base and you're running to third, whether it's a base hit or you're stealing the base or whatever, when you're running to third, you can't see most of the field. Most of the field is behind you at this point. So that third base coach is really, really important, right? They're telling you to slide. They're telling you to stand. They're telling you to round it and go home. How you get to third then a lot of times is contingent upon the information coming from that third base coach, and you listening to them at the same time. And having a good third base coach. Having a third base coach who's paying attention, so you get, it's verbal. When you convert that into the financial world and you're actually getting to choose that, it's choosing good coaches. That's exactly right, yep. yep. So I'm on third and I want to get home. Yep, yeah. So this goes back to the team. I mean, it's some of the same parallels, but it's, it's very rare uh, for you to make it home as a base runner without the help of your teammates. You just, you know, very rarely are, is home plate stolen. Uh, and the older, if we're talking, if we're getting back to like Major League Baseball here, there's very few pass balls. There's very few wild pitches. There's incredibly few stolen bases of home. It just doesn't happen. Uh, so you need the person who's up to bat to hit you in one way or another. And uh, so when you think about making it home, yeah, you're reliant upon, at that point, someone bringing you in. You've accumulated a, a balance sheet. You've done incredibly well over the course of your life. But it's the team who's going to bring you home. It's not necessarily you at that point. And that's ideal, right? You want to avoid costly mistakes. You want to make good decisions. You want to rely upon the person that you've teamed up with at home plate, the third base coach behind you, and heck, even the on-deck hitter who's going to tell you whether you need to slide or you stand up or 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 tell you as you come into home plate. So uh, it's a team game, right? And uh, while some of the things you can do early on on your own as, a, as an investor and a planner and life's not complex, as you navigate through life and you get closer to home, there's just way too much to pay attention to and objectively make decisions on. Emotion starts to cloud those decisions, and so it's really important to rely upon everybody you surrounded yourself with. So is there an analogy for a home run in terms of home run in baseball versus the financial world? Or in the financial world, are we focusing on one base to the next? Well, there are home runs, but um, just re- just remember that risk and reward are related. So uh, 
if you look statistically at home run hitters, uh, they strike out a lot. Just there's a direct correlation between folks who hit the ball over the fence and how often they strike out. Well, strikeouts are not productive. Home runs are. Uh, so same thing with the financial planning world, right? I mean, the early investors in Apple or Amazon or Berkshire, right? I mean, those people hit a home run. They took a lot of risk on the front end as well, right? They were dumping money into maybe unproven or um, suspect um, companies, but they hit a home run. Uh, they took that risk early on. It's it's important in baseball and financial planning to t- take calculated risks. Most of the time, the folks who are a high probability of success are not taking that approach. It can work out once in a while, but most of the time it doesn't. We don't hear about the stories of when it doesn't, right? Um, home run hitters are celebrated because they hit the ball over the fence. They got to run around the bases. But their batting average tends to be pretty low as well. They're not getting on base as much. So home runs are celebrated, but at the same time, it's uh, risk and reward are certainly related. So um, yeah, it's important to diversify your game. I Back to my college days, I can remember playing against guys who, um, or even with guys who were incredible hitters, home run hitters, but they didn't stand a chance to go on to the next level because their game was so undiversified. They didn't they spent all their time worrying about or working on hitting home runs as opposed to, you know, they were slow or they couldn't play defense or they didn't throw hard. Um, and so those other components of the game prevented them from going any further. That's a great way to describe that. So thanks for that analogy. I figured you would have a good one. Something. Yep. Do you have any last thoughts today, Rust? Uh, no, these were fun, Mary. And I'm happy to happy to jump on any time and, and uh, create some analogies between sports and planning. And uh, yeah, so. Well, then I should plan on episode three. Let's do it. Topic. Let's do it. So thanks a lot. And as we reach the end of our episode, I want to thank our sponsors, Interactive Legal, Foster Group, and Carson Private Client. That's all for now. Thanks for listening to today's episode and stay tuned for our weekly releases. Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries is made available by the firm and its attorneys for educational purposes and to provide general information, not to provide specific legal advice. Use of the Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast does not create an attorney client relationship between you and the firm or any of its attorneys. The Vandenack Weaver Trulson Legal Visionaries podcast should not be used as a substitute for competent legal advice, and you should contact an attorney in your state about any legal needs or questions you may have. A Huda Media Production.